Amen, amen. What's up, Everlast? How's it going tonight? You doing good? It's good to see everybody. Can we give it up? Can we give God glory, rather, for, uh, for Wesley and for Israel? Come on, y'all. Give it up. And Taylor and Savannah and Jeremy. So thankful for, for them. Thank you, guys, for leading us in worshiping Jesus through song. Uh, well, man, it's good to see everybody. And if you're new to, uh, to here, if you're new here, <laughs> my name is Kev, and by God's awesome grace, I get to be uh, the young adult pastor here at Calvary Worship Center. And Everlast, of course, is our young adult ministry. And it's our goal as we, uh, that we collectively encounter Jesus, grow in Jesus, and make Jesus known. Uh, let me also say that if I haven't met you personally, please come find me as we wrap, when we wrap up tonight. We'll love to meet you. And that also goes for my wife, Tina, who's our young adult coordinator, and as well as our uh, Everlast leaders and volunteers. We'd love to meet you guys. Tonight we conclude our series, The Ropes. And uh, this month, you guys, we've resourced and equipped you uh, by, uh, by showing you some of the ropes to our Christian faith. And I actually shared this a few weeks ago, but it's honestly the ropes to our faith in Christ that the Holy Spirit doesn't just help the new believer with but rather helps all of us with throughout our entire life on earth. You can study and grow in your knowledge all day, but it's the ropes to our faith that you always go back to from the moment you're a new believer and all the way till you're old and gray. Amen. Tonight I'm concluding this series by showing you the ropes to get ready for it, your identity. Whoop is right. Let's all do it together. That was weak. Come on. That was still weak. Come on. There. That was better. With the whoops being said, let's pray. Let's pray together again. Father in heaven, you are God and God alone. Can we all say amen to that? <laughs> we are so thankful that you, God, are wise and you are in control. We thank you for just who you are. We also thank you for what you're doing here at Everlast in our young adult ministry and as our church as a whole. God, we're so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person here. Whether we've been looking forward to Everlast all day and couldn't wait to get here or we got randomly invited by a friend. Regardless, God, none of it is random to you. You have very clearly brought all of us here tonight together. And so God, I'm asking for your help. We're asking for your help. Would you open our minds that we would understand what it is that you're thinking about, God? And I also pray that you would open our hearts that we would feel what you care about, God. I pray that we would all be changed as a result of these few moments together tonight. God, help us. Help us to listen well. Help us to be attentive, receptive to what you want to show us. Help us to find true freedom and grace in you. And now I just encourage you would, you, would you pray for your own heart? A simple prayer. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? Next, I'd encourage you, pray for those on your left and right. Pray that God would speak to them. And lastly, kindly, I just would ask that you please pray for me that God would 
use me tonight to make things helpful and clear. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we ask that you please speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a long time ago, my family's wiener dog was killed by coyotes. That's messed up that you just laughed. Quite, quite, quite the morbid way to start us out tonight, right? But, but, but it happened. It happened. His name was Rusty. And although he was a little dog, he had a big heart. He had a big heart. Growing into his old age, Rusty got grumpy. He would bark and get mad at just about anything, y'all. Anything. Now, what happened is that my pop let Rusty out of the house to use the restroom. You know, that this happened every night. Well, actually, I guess dogs don't use restrooms. Only humans do that. Maybe some dogs do. That would mean that they're very potty trained. Oh, thank you. Anyways, Rusty, y'all, he got so old. So old. It took him a long time to get to the lawn, the back lawn, and to actually go pee. Like most pets, when Rusty was finished, he'd always come back to the, uh, to, to the back porch of the door, you know, scratch it and bark, letting us know that he was finished and he was ready to come inside. Uh, but this night, more and more time went by and Rusty was not coming to the back door. My pop went to check on him and he was nowhere to be found. Now my pop's house backed up to about an acre of woods, a pretty heavily wooded backyard. And, uh, and with that, in Mansfield, Texas, with a lot of woods, came coyotes. Our backyard was fenced very well. And y'all, it wasn't like, you know, my pop was negligent or anything like that. Clearly, we had Rusty till his a very old age. And, you know, we loved him dearly, took very good care of him. And this was obviously a complete accident. Uh, honestly, uh, if you know anything about coyotes, y'all, they're ruthless, they're wild. They're ruthless. And they will get your pets, especially if they're small. But here's the thing, though. They won't run into your yard and just attack your little dog. No, research actually shows that coyotes will together start playing with it. Then they'll win over the trust of the little dog. And they'll, start, they'll start pulling that little dog a little further, a little further a little further away from the house. Once they've got the dog far enough away from the house, they'll snatch it up, carry it away, and consume it. Now, why do I tell you this? Well, I believe that just like coyotes, in essence, there are many things in this life on earth that will pull you away a little further, a little further, a little further from knowing your true identity all the way until you're actually consumed by it. i tell you what, right here and right now, if you don't truly know your identity, it can possibly and quite literally cost you your life. The normal human struggle is to look for identity horizontally. 
when the truth is we were hardwired by God to get it vertically. And although some of you, hopefully all of you know this, let me, let me lay out the basis of which our identity comes from. And I'll tell you what, what I'm about to share isn't just for when you become a Christian. No, this is for every single day of your life. And I'll tell you what, the worst thing that you can do, the worst thing that you can do after what I'm about to share is to have some type of pompous and internal um, pompous attitude towards it. Kind of like the response of, oh, I already know this. I already know this. As a matter of fact, the very people that quickly dismiss what I'm about to share are most likely the very people who quickly forget their identity. What I'm about to share is the gospel. You see, when the world was created, it was perfect. It was perfect. Why was it perfect? Well, it was God who created it. And it was perfect because there was no sin. None at all. No sin. God did not create sin. But he created beings with free will who have the ability to sin. This includes Satan, fallen angels, that is demons, and humans. To be clear, sin is falling short of God's standards. Sin is not everlasting. Sin, sin is not like sin is not an entity. Sin is not a thing that exists. It has no independent being. Rather, sin is a lack of something or to miss the mark. Sin is a failure to fully obey God's law and to live up to his glory. Romans 3.23. Right? A lot of us know this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When God created the universe in our world, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Y'all, this very good creation included humanity and the angel that would later become known as Satan. At this point, no humans or angels had yet sinned, but they had the potential to do so. Listen, God did not create any being sinful. Yet a group of angels rebelled against God in heaven and became sinful. Satan's fall from heaven is symbolically described in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 as well as Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. For time's sake, we are not going to go there and read all these verses, but these references I think are on the screen for you, so just to jot down real quick. Again, that's Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, and Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. In those verses in Isaiah, it says that an angel named Lucifer wanted to ascend to the heavens and be above the stars of God. Verse 14 adds, he desired to make himself like the Most High. So God judged Lucifer 
by removing him from his ongoing presence. That fallen angel, like I just shared a moment ago, is now known as Satan, adversary, or devil, liar, slanderer. In those verses in Ezekiel, we find Satan was created as a perfect, wise, and beautiful angel. Beautiful angel. But then Satan rebelled. That's when the, situa that's when the situation changed. Scripture hints, by the way, at the reason Satan chose to sin. It says it in Ezekiel 28, 17. I think it's on the screen for you. It says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. The fall of Satan took place at some point between, I'm so sorry. The fall of Satan um, took place at some point before he came as a serpent to tempt Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. After being thrown to the earth, Satan tempted humanity to sin. And y'all, he has continued that practice ever since. Since Adam's sin, humans have inherited Adam's spiritual corruption and have been born with a sin nature. That's us. So with that, we are all naturally inclined to sin. James 1, 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. But, everlasting, in Christ Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians 5.21 God made Jesus who made, I'm sorry, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 1, 9, y'all, I will forever love this verse. Forever. We should, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful to, and, don't miss this, and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is such good news to a punk sinner like me. We receive forgiveness from the eternal penalty of sin when we put our faith in Jesus. Y'all listen close. Y'all need, we need to know this, right? Hallelujah. We also receive freedom from slavery to sin and can learn by yielding to the Holy Spirit to, get, uh, to live righteously. Y'all, righteousness means right standing. Our right standing with God is through Christ and our belief and reception of his work. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children, can you say it together? Children of God. Once, y'all, everlast, once, once this goes down, guess what? God changes our hearts and our heart is the very home where the identity of Christ resides. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Y'all, this is the gospel. 
This is the gospel. This is our identity, children of God. But, but, like the coyotes, we daily, I daily, we daily get enticed, played with in many different ways, luring us to forget who we are and rather place our identity horizontally. That, that, that's, that's what it's goal, to get our, that's to place our identity horizontally. We look for something in creation to define who we are, whether that's your engagement, your marriage, your work, your athletic body, physique, or whatever it is. End of the day, Everlast, you are not something because of what you do. You're not something because of what you do. You are something because you are in Christ. Bottom line. Bottom line. So why, so okay, so this, I would say this begs the question. Why do we still struggle with our identity? Like why the heck is that still a thing? Why do I struggle with my identity still? Author Paul David Tripp describes it as this. He calls it identity amnesia. <laughs> Misunderstanding and replacing our identity in Christ. Everlast, when you and I need fill in the blank, when you and I, all of us, I don't care who you are tonight, how long you've known Jesus or wherever you're at, all of us, this is all of us. When you and I need fill in the blank to be something, it is then when we have forgotten the gospel and the way that we're living. Listen, if you think you are supposed to be an expert at everything, is that you? You have to be the smartest. You have to be the best. You have to fill in the blank. That most likely means you're getting it backwards. You're thinking what defines you rather than who defines you. Y'all, it's my prayer tonight that this would be a prayer that the Holy Spirit, not me talking loudly, but the Holy Spirit would give it, us a paradigm shift in our hearts. Listen, if you're allowing your knowledge, title, or position, etc., to define you, y'all, that is a mess. That will never work. If you place your identity in your relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that will never work. Why else is it when a breakup ensues that either the girl or boy isn't just bummed out or saddened, they're like devastated? Why? It's because they're being identity amnesiacs. <laughs> this, like I said, y'all, there's many ways we misplace our identity. Y'all, there's too many ways to count, honestly. Some of us, some of us get it real misconstrued and associate, we actually associate our identity in Jesus by how long we've known Jesus. Or how much you know about Jesus. Knowing Jesus a certain length, everlast, a certain length of time, or knowing a lot of stuff about Jesus has nothing to do with your identity. That is honestly just self-righteousness playing itself out. And remember, your right standing with God is merited on the work of Christ, not yours. What about finding your identity in what other people think? This is a big one. I would argue that this quote-unquote coyote brings 
you further out than others. And, and, and can we just talk about it a sec? Because, y'all, there's some of us who are keenly aware of this struggle, but some of us maybe aren't so much aware of this particular struggle. Y'all, coming from one who has befriended this false identity many times, and unfortunately, at times, continues to do so. Hear me when I say that I think that this is one of the most cunning and crafty coyotes, per se, out there. I, Everlast, y'all tell me if this resonates with you. I've gone as far as writing narratives in my mind about others writing narratives in their mind and thinking to myself, thinking that they're thinking bad things about me. <laughs> listen and listen to me close. No human, no human can fulfill in your life what God can. No human. Speaking of humans, a lot of you were raised by parents that honestly held way too high a standard over you. And had an unhealthy expectation over you. And, and, and if you didn't meet those unhealthy expectations, you were met with sinful anger, disappointment, harshness, guilt trips, ridicule, or even silence. Again, Paul Tripp said it very well because identity amnesia, y'all, is a very real thing. It's a very real thing. Today I've noticed, especially people of influence, by God's grace, the only reason we have influence is because of Jesus. You know when people say, like, I don't mean to toot my own whistle. You don't have a whistle. It's the Lord's whistle. It's just the truth. But I've noticed with people of influence by God's grace, y'all, they have the, listen to this, man. They have the tendency of forgetting who they are. Well, not even just people of influence. Let me just say people. Can I just say that? Forgetting who they are, and they become what they do. Or they become what they have. Or they become what they don't have. Or they become what's been done to them. Or they become what's not been done to them. And clearly, all of those things, y'all, will change. Those things are feeble, fickle, not reliable. It happened during COVID. The index of pastoral suicide soared. Suicide as a whole. But I did a little bit of digging, and according to the 2021 Pastoral Mental Health Report compiled by an organization called Faith Life, they're the makers of the Logos uh, uh, Bible software. More than one in 10 pastors actually ad uh, admitted to contemplating suicide. Contemplation, sitting in it. Going as far as planning it out. Now, suicide isn't a new thing. It's not a new thing. God shows us in his word many different examples of this issue. Some people in scripture felt deep despair in life. Solomon, in his pursuit of pleasure, reached to the point where he hated life. That's in Ecclesiastes 2.17. Elijah was fearful and depressed and yearned for death. That's 1 Kings 19.4. Jonah was so angry at God that he wished to die. 
It's in Jonah 4.8. Even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul and his missionary companions, him and his buds, at one point, 2 Corinthians 1.8 says, were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. However, let me just share this. None of these men actually committed suicide. Solomon learned to fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. Elijah was comforted by an angel, allowed to rest in, uh, and was given a, a new commission. Uh, Jonah received admonition and a rebuke from God. Received it. Paul Back to Paul and his buds, his missionary buds. Paul learned that although the pressure that they faced was beyond his ability to endure, it was the Lord who actually can bear all things. For the next verse, 2 Corinthians 1.9, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. If you notice, there was a common thread with all these examples I just gave. These men all had a reliance and dependence on God. They knew who they were, better yet, they knew who their God was. Amen? Something that is very, so, I would say that is very much so connected to pastoral suicide contemplation, like I mentioned a moment ago, or honestly, suicide as a whole, is because of forgetting our identity. Like we've been talking about. The truth is, a lot of pastors find their identity in a pulpit. This is just a table, but find their identity in a pulpit. And during the pandemic, a lot of churches shut down. And when the pulpit was stripped away from these pastors, that thing that added value to who they thought they were was no more. Y'all, that, that's a very lonely and desolate place if you don't know your identity. There's many different tentacles attached to mental health and the overall struggle to suicide, but I would contend that the root issue is identity. I would go as far as to say that all our struggles are connected to our identity. I love how Tim Keller puts it simply by saying, the Bible says that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. There's something else you have to remember, though, in this, y'all. Everlast, what I'm about to say is of, a, of utmost importance. You can't just know your identity. You have to remind yourself that you know your identity. Actively remind yourself. We need to be like the psalmist who said in Psalm 43.5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's a, a, it's a money verse, y'all. So good. Why did, what, what did he do immediately after his discouragement? Like immediately, immediately. He reminded himself to hope in God. He reminded himself to place, uh, I'm sorry, of his place with God. He reminded himself of his Savior. Again, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, you are now a child of God. That is the center core of who you are. We literally just sang it tonight. The term Christian means mini-Christ, meaning we are followers of Jesus, reflecting and showing his love and grace to the world and how we live. So as Christians, like we've read and studied tonight, we are then children of God. That everlasting, that is the one principle about us that will never change. 
not here on earth or whatever years we have on it, and not in eternity. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are forever, forever a child of God. Does that, can I, can I ask you something? Does that sit with you deeply right now? Like, does that, does that, does that affect you? Does that really stir your affections? Y'all, some of us have given way too much of ourselves to other things, getting our identity horizontally and getting it all mixed up. And it's no wonder that when I say that if you place your faith in Jesus, you're a forever child of God. It's no wonder that we're not, we're just like, oh, cool. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. Children of God, that is who we are. And listen, if that doesn't sit with you deeply, a great prayer to pray and a great prayer that God loves to answer is, is this. God, would you stir like a pot of stew, like a, you know, just a big old vat of stew. Would you stir my heart for you? Would you stir my affections for you? We have to remind ourselves that we're children of God daily. And oftentimes, it's not just daily, it's moment by moment daily. By the way, this is especially true after you sin. Especially true. Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. After you sin, one of the main tactics of our enemy is to get you to forget your status in Christ. So what do you do? This is what you do. Look at me real quick, if you don't mind. You get up. You stand up. You fight. And you remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Even what I just shared. It's crazy, man. I'm so sick of apathy. I'm so sick of it. Because it's crazy. Yeah, Kev, get up, fight, stand. Remind yourself who you are in Christ. And yet, we're not doing it. I can't tell you how many times that I've had to remind myself of my right standing in Christ. One of the verses that I used to fight. By the way, there's a great app in the app store. It's called Fighter Verses. It's awesome. It's a great app to memorize to have in your back pocket. But one of the verses that I used to fight and remind myself with is Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've spat that out so much. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just, that, that's one of my go-tos. I often continue on in this moment after I've sinned, after I feel nasty, awful, just, just guilty and, 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 and low. After I sinned, I'll remind myself of who I am by continuing on in Romans 8, and I'll say, no, in all these things, we, were, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Talk about a fighter verse especially after you sin. Can I get a witness with that? So this begs the question, how many times do we remind ourselves? 
Well, I would say that we have to remind ourselves until our heart catches up with our head. Preaching to our own hearts the one true gospel of Jesus, especially after we sin. But more practically speaking, everlasting practically speaking, when it comes to our identity in Christ, we have to remind ourselves enough. We have to remind ourselves enough that if we stop doing what we're doing right now, if our titles or our positions get taken away, if we get fired, if someone says something nasty about us behind our back, if, if, if we lose our own health, if we lose our physique, if we lose our, lose our savings accounts, our 401ks, if we lose our possessions, if we lose our spouses, if we lose our kids or any loved ones, we have to remind ourselves consistently that if we lost it all, we'd be okay. Because we are in the center of the will of our Father. We are His children. Our identity is in Jesus and what He accomplished for us and what He says we are. And that is enough and should be enough. Another great prayer. If you right now feel like it's not enough, great prayer to pray. God, would you help me to not just know, but know, both head and heart, that you are enough. That you're my shepherd. I, sh I don't have to want for anything. You're it. Well, Kev, how do I know, how do I really know if my identity is in Christ? It's another great question. How do I really know if my identity is in Christ? Well, how do you know that you have an apple tree? It produces apples, right? It produces apples. Listen, you don't just stand there and go, after a certain amount of apples, I will dub thee an apple tree. Like, listen, no, it, it, it's not apple production that makes you an apple tree. But apple production is the evidence of what you really are. And Jesus said, if you make a good tree, the fruit will be good. That was Jesus' message. He said, I'm not here to try to force you to produce fruit. I'm here to change you into a different kind of tree. And when you let my grace and my kindness change you on the inside, that if you admit and know that, yes, you're beautiful and you have dignity in the image of God, and, 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 and that also that you're depraved and broken because of your sin, and you can't fix you, that God in heaven came for you, that Jesus Christ who changed history. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you that literally the Holy Trinity mobilized and worked on your behalf, your behalf. This all for your identity to be established, founded, and rooted. That is, what, what? That is, your heavenly Father loves you. Christ came for you and sacrificed his life for you. For you. You. The Holy Spirit brought conviction in your heart. The Father, Son, and Spirit, all God came to work faith, hope, and love to establish and produce identity in you. This results in, guess what? Relief. What a relief. What, what a relief. This results in you exploding into joy, exploding into love, and exploding into faith. When you believed in God with your heart, you became different. As a result of what God, God did inside of you, bam, that's Christianity. When you 
put your faith in Jesus, he changes you from the inside out. Listen, Everlast, very important. Our work is always an effect of our identity, not the cause. Not the cause. God does a work in us and, and we begin to work. Not to earn our place in heaven, but because we have it by his grace. Amen. But your focus, listen man, your focus should never be on you. Are you, are you focused too much on you right now? Kev, man, I'm just going to pursue me. I'm just going to work on loving me more. Guys, I get so sick of hearing that crap. Work on loving you? No. Work on loving God. Listen, you will understand more of who you are when you understand more of who he is. Once this happens, you will learn to love yourself appropriately. And then, guess what? You can love other people too. <laughs> but it all starts with loving God. Listen, it's not about you. It's not about you. Did, do you know that? Does your life reflect that? Does your thoughts reflect that? Does your actions reflect that? Does your feelings reflect that? It's not about you. The Bible is not about you. This life is not about you. If you claim to be a Christian, you were bought for a price. And you don't belong to yourself. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. Some of you say, well, Kev, it's my life. Nope, not if you're a Christian. You've been bought by the blood of Christ for a greater purpose. For something even greater than what you can imagine. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He said, my identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There is something previous to what I think about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. Y'all, religion says my identity is built on being a good person. The gospel says my identity is not built on my record or my performance, but on Christ's. Another awesome example, by the way, of this, of our identity in God, gives us, that he gives us in his word, a great example, uh, adoption. It's, a great, it's, a, it's a, an amazing example. Once we give our hearts to Christ, believing and trusting in him alone for salvation, God says we become a part of his family. Not through, obviously, like natural processes of human conception, but through adoption. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Similarly, bringing a person into a family by means of adoption is done by choice and out of love. My wife and I, uh, we've been very known to you guys. We're on this infertility road, and we had a miscarriage a while back, and you know, we, we, you know all in the Lord's timing, we're, you know, we're, adoption is very something that, you know, by his grace, we're hoping that would happen one day. And it's an amazing thing. I've, I've had friends that have adopted, whether it's stateside or overseas or whatever. It's an, amaz it's an amazing reflection of the covenantal love that God has with us. It's a reflection of the gospel. It's awesome. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6 says, God decided in advance to what? Adopt us into his own what? Family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Amen. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I love how Pastor John MacArthur puts it when he says, we did nothing to earn our adoption into God's family. 
and we can do nothing to lose it either. He goes on to say, if adoption were not permanent, we would have great reason to fear. Our sin might yet condemn us. But remember Romans 8. Religion says my identity is built on my spot being earned by me, right? The gospel says my identity is built on my spot being earned for me. Amen. Another sweet thing about adoption is that we all, we're in this family together. Uh, one of our dear sisters of the Lord, Brooklyn Salisbury. She is now with the Lord. She's one of our leaders here. She's amazing. Love Jesus. Uh, she's been with Jesus almost a, a year now. Crazy. I'm going to deviate real quick. Life is short. Live it well. The Bible says life's a vapor. And it's crazy, man. Like, what are, what, are the, what are the stats nowadays? Like, you can be, live to 80, I think the normal age, or maybe 75. Y'all, that isn't even a blip on the radar compared to eternity. God's got great things for us, man. And we miss Brooklyn a whole lot. But the reason why I bring her up is, her along with one of our other leaders, and uh, I think it's Laura, maybe Christiana, someone, but they said FFD, fun family dynamics. How many of y'all, can I get a witness, have fun family dynamics at the house? <laughs> fun meaning is like, fun is like hashtag sarcasm, right? <laughs> you know, uh, fun family dynamics. Y'all, when we, when we talk about adoption, y'all, and we've all been, when we've given our faith, or we've placed our faith in Jesus, we're all adopted into this Fun family, quote-unquote dysfunctional family, <laughs> called the family of God. I've said it many times here, but if you hit your wagon here enough and you're plugged in, I promise you, you will be sinned against. I promise you that if you continue to plug in. But we as a community, as an adopted family of God together, we learn on how, what it means to extend grace to each other, to listen well, to be slow to anger, to be kind, to let our... Uh, our, our lips and, and our, be seasoned with salt, our, our words seasoned with salt, that we would bear with one another, forgiving each other like Christ has forgiven us. It's a beauty of family. Hallelujah. It, by God's grace, hopefully, when, 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 when we, me and my wife, hopefully adopt one day, as soon as they do something wrong, am I going to revoke their last name and say, We're, you're no longer adopted? No. Like, that's what? That's ludicrous. I mean, that's the goal, and especially in these young adult ministry, that we would reflect a covenantal love to each other. Why? Because Christ continuously gives it to us. Y'all, so I would just say this. When it comes to that, here's my exhortation for you. Be in community. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. I've been that guy. Just on the outer skirts, you know. I'm not trying to patronize. I'm just being real. Because I'm telling you, I've been that guy who kind of is playing the hokey pokey with community. And I've got one foot in, one foot out. I'm not consistent. I'm kind of, you know, immature in my thinking and, you know, or whatever the case may be. I've been that. Oh, my gosh, I've been that. But I've also been on the other side of the fence where I've pushed all my chips in and welcoming the dysfunction because I know I'm about to be a punk too. <laughs> and I've experienced the beauty of what it means to be adopted in this family together. I've experienced the beauty of weeping with my family. It's the beauty of rejoicing and uh, grieving or celebrating, whatever the case may be. 
There's nothing like being in community with someone and you receive grace from them when you sin against them. There's nothing like that. Only God can do that. So listen, don't be that guy or rather that girl too. <laughs> Man, plug in. We're about to make announcements, y'all. We've got so much awesome things going on. We're not, we're not overcooking the grits. It's quite simple. Come, get plugged in. Don't expect a text message, give one. Don't expect a phone call, give one. Don't expect to be blessed, be a blessing. Initiate. Hallelujah. Listen. If you have an eh attitude towards community, in essence, you kind of have an eh attitude towards God because our God is a communal God. He has a bigger purpose for the church. Y'all have a lot to receive, but listen, Everlast, you have a lot to give to. Y'all are all so uniquely gifted, and it's so awesome to do life with you. God uses his bride, that's us, the church, to encourage and remind one another of our identity together as his children. Amen? Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So to wrap it up tonight, what's the end goal of knowing our identity in Christ? Listen, as the truth of our place in the family of God settles in us and the identity of Christ falls on us, here's what happens. Y'all ready? Here's what happens. Faithless people become believers. Angry people become peacemakers. Greedy people become givers. Demanding people become servants. Lustful people become pure. Worried people become restful people. Proud people become humble. Rebels become obedient people. Idolaters become worshipers of God. Everlast, whatever coyotes have allured you further away from not knowing or forgetting who you are in Christ, I truly believe the Holy Spirit wants to set you free tonight. What identity will you assign yourself moving forward? You've heard a lot about it tonight. Will you deal, will you deal with life based on what you do? Will you assess you know, what you bring to the table? Or based on who you are as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Will you base your life on the opinions of others or the Savior who is always with you in power and grace? Will you base your life on what you do or accomplish or what Christ has already done and accomplished for you? Don't let these breeze past you either, man. It's our hope and prayer that we would be young adult ministry that knows and reminds ourselves and each other uh, moment by moment, day by day of our true, peaceful, restful identity in Jesus. May God, gosh, this, <laughs> may God help us and give us the grace to remember our identity as his children in the moments, especially when remembering is essential. Amen? Let's pray.